Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the Gospel of the Day. I am James Thomas. Today is Friday, November 3rd, 2023. It's the 30th Friday of Ordinary Time. It's also the Feast of St. Martin de Porres. And today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees. And the people there were observing him carefully. In front of him, there was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus spoke to the scholars of the law and the Pharisees in reply, asking, Is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent. So he took the man, and after he had healed him, dismissed him. Then he said to them, Who among you, if your son or ox falls into a cistern, would not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day. But they were unable to answer his question. So this must mean a lot to God because he keeps doing it. Jesus keeps healing people on the Sabbath and they keep having this conversation. I think on the point of of the Pharisees, from the point of view of the Pharisees, they're just looking to trap Jesus. And this is a great way to trap him if you're just... uh, a rigid follower of the law, you know, on this one extreme. Uh, He's breaking the law. He's working on the Sabbath, right? Especially if they don't consider him to be anybody important. The reality is he's fulfilling everything that the Old Testament said about who the Messiah would be and what the Messiah would do. But Jesus is trying to teach us something that goes even deeper, such as the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And also, see, in the past week or so, we've talked about uh, the Sabbath. We, there was another similar gospel reading just recently. And, you know, how important the Sabbath is and how we have to live on the Sabbath. And yet the Sabbath is about a bigger picture. It's not about the stupid laws. And they're not necessarily stupid. But my point is they're insignificant compared to the bigger picture. The bigger picture, the Sabbath was created for God and the human race to connect. It's a day of rest. God even rested from his work. And so we are to rest from our work. And it's a day for us to commune. It's a day for family, primarily the family of God. And every day should reflect the Sabbath, but especially the Sabbath day. We set aside times and places. Very often Catholics get criticized for having all this holy stuff. (laughs) But God himself set it up this way. He set up a whole day that's holy. And there's people that are holy and there's places that are holy. And so, yes, but it's on the one hand, yes, that's true. It's important that we have sacred spaces and times. But on the other hand, it's so much bigger than that. Jesus says, I didn't come to wipe that all out, but I came to fulfill it. There's a purpose to all that. And so today I wanted to talk a little bit because Jesus mentions, and I I giggled when I did the reading just now, he mentions Who among you, if your son or ox falls into a cistern, would not pull them out? I think by mentioning the son and the ox, Jesus has given us two little lessons there. One is, even your ox would not, you you wouldn't leave your ox unable to get to on the Sabbath day. You know, on the one hand, it's an animal. And it's something they're basically using for money. So you don't want to lose that source of money on the other six days because you lost them on the Sabbath. So you go get them. On the other hand, it's uh, 
you know, a pet. It's it's that just minimal humanity that says, I don't want this animal to suffer. However you want to look at that. But then he also says, your son. Your son falls into a cistern. Imagine how you'd feel about that. If you're a good Jew, if you're a good anybody, you would say, who cares about the stupid Sabbath at that moment? Because my son needs me. My son has fallen into a cistern. I don't yet fallen. I don't even know if I'm going to see my son again. I got to do everything I can to save my son. And doesn't that just sum up our whole faith right there? Jesus, I mean, when it comes to our salvation, the Sabbath and the law, they need to be. And, and Jesus doesn't destroy these things, but Jesus just shows the Sabbath is not more important than the reality that this person needs to be cured. The Sabbath and the law are not more important than the reality that you all are headed towards destruction if I don't come into the world and do this. If I don't die for you, if I don't teach you, if I don't heal you, if I don't deliver you from evil. So it's, and it creates, what does this create? A new Sabbath. We could look at it very practically and say, well, yeah, Sunday now because of the resurrection, but it's so much more than that. This new rest that we're invited to enter into, it's not just about, you know, sacred times and spaces where we have a meal or this or that. And in certain worship services, now we have the Eucharist. Now we have the sacraments. Now we have a church with a tabernacle. Now we have the body of Christ. Now we have confirmation and holy matrimony and holy orders. He has, Jesus is bigger than the Sabbath. God is bigger than his law. And it's why? It's because we are his sons and daughters. So this leads me to just want to talk a little bit about sonship. And of course, I don't say this to be sexist. If some of my words simply reflect the masculine from time to time in the sermon, uh, it's not my intention to be sexist. We're talking about sonship. We're talking about daughterhood. We speak of them both equally. Um, we were called to be the sons and daughters of God. He made us to be this. We've lost it through sin. He's restored us through the adoption that comes with baptism. And so, and you know, I preached the other day on piety, the gift of the Holy Spirit, piety, meaning the respect that we owe to the things of God, especially people. I spoke specifically about sexual purity and how it's a great remedy that Pope John Paul talks about all the time, praying for the, for the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit of piety in that I see this person that might be a source of temptation and I now see them as my sister in the Lord or my brother in the Lord. For me personally, this idea of sonship has been a challenge um, in that so much of my personality for most of my life has had this uh, mentality and this orientation towards work, service, and, you know, in entering into ministry, I've thought of myself as, well, the Lord's been good to me, so I want to be good to him. I want to pay back what I've been given. Not that we could ever do that, but I want to work hard for the Lord. I've always been a hard worker. I've always been a perfectionist. So I think of myself as a servant. I think of myself as a worker. Um, 
And I don't know, there's a lot we could say about that. But while that's not a bad thing in and of itself, we are servants. In fact, there's even that one passage where we say we've merely done what we were supposed to do. We've merely done what servants should do and not act as if we deserve better. But there are so many other passages where God is calling us to something greater. Even the idea of being the sheep that he carries on his shoulders. It's a great dignity. It shows God's great love for us. In another place, he says, I call you friends. That's beautiful. Throughout the Bible, we are referred to as spouse. That's even greater than a friend, right? That's a, that's a commitment. That's, I mean, there's bodily union that we experience with Jesus through the Eucharist. He says from the cross, it is consummated. So he calls us, I mean, in all these different human relationships that, that might warm our hearts from time to time, I mean, they're simply um, symbols of the bigger picture. The bigger picture being, well, what God wants for us, heavenly joy with him for all eternity, being wrapped up with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the inner life of the Trinity. That's his ultimate goal for us, but he uses these images. So this idea of being son, it's something I really have to pray with. It's something I really have to grow in, that idea that, and I talk about this a lot because I have grown in it a lot, the idea that my salvation doesn't come from my work. My work might be important, but that's not my salvation. My salvation comes from his work and the fact that he claims me as his son, the fact that he came into the world and died for me, that he rose from the dead. It's God's work and my openness to receiving it, my having the humility to allow myself to be a son and not simply saying like, yeah, Lord, I got this. I'm under, I got it under control. I can do it. Almost as if to say, I don't need you. When we, if we've been watching The Chosen, you know, St. Peter, man, he really wrestles with that because Peter, Simon Peter, wants to be the boss. He wants to take care of Jesus, protect Jesus. And while it's true, there's a place for that strong personality and leadership, and Jesus chooses him for for reasons such as that, uh, at the same time, he needs to learn that humility to say, Lord, what do you want? Lord, how are you leading me? And even Jesus at the end of the gospel, the end of the gospel of John says, you know, you, you are used to tying up your belt and going where you want, but others, once you agree to feed my sheep, now others will tie up your hands and take you where you don't want to go. So there's a humility that's needed in allowing ourselves to be sons. And that's what this gospel, it's one of the things that this gospel passage is all about, that he wants us to be sons and daughters. He also wants us to see others as sons and daughters, realizing ourselves more and more as the son, as the daughter, just opening up our hearts and receiving endless amounts of love, which is why God made us, so that he can pour his love into our hearts, so that he can enjoy just doting on us and just, ah, you know, taking care of us, loving us, giving us so many gifts. It gives him so much joy and pleasure when we are happy, when he is giving us many, many good things. We, so many of us struggle with that because we think that we have to be in charge. We have to be in control. We have to have power, right? There's that. But then what does it lead us to? It leads us to then seeing everybody else as also sharing in that common sonship, being also a son and a daughter. Um, 
I I was talking about piety the other day, and I just mentioned it, you know, earlier in the sermon here today. Um, I have a little story that just came to me when I was um, preparing the sermon. Um, just a couple years ago, I had moved into a community. I was relatively new in the community. I got involved with different things in the community, and there was a young woman that I met. And um, anyway, it's a long story. I'll try to make it brief. Just that there was an event. And we were there, a bunch of us were there together, and this young woman was wearing an outfit that was extremely revealing, extremely provocative. Um, she wasn't acting like it, though. It was just funny. Her her personality did not match the way she was dressed, and it made me a little confused. But this happens more and more nowadays. People think, oh, I'll just dress this way because it looks good. But anyway, she was very kind to me. And we were at this event, and a lot of people were there. And, and it was an organization I was getting more involved with, so I was getting to know the people better and better. But she just really showed me a lot of kindness that day, reached out to me and, and introduced me to people and helped me out. And the dress, you know, like it it was a struggle for me. And this can happen. This happens a lot in ministry and in different things we get involved with in our lives. We have the best intentions. You know, one thing I want to say to people sometimes, and I've said it in some of these talks, you know, there's the virtue of chastity about doing the right things, but there's also the virtue of modesty. And they're two different virtues. And both need to be practiced. Some people think the virtue of modesty doesn't exist. Like, oh, as long as you're making the right decisions, that's all that matters. And if you're having an issue, that's your problem. Well, no, (laughs) we all have an obligation to be modest in terms of the giving and the receiving end of of that, you know, virtue and and these kind of things. So anyway, I it's it's a story. And like I say, I'm not going to go into all the details here, but it kind of just blows me away about how good God is, how amazing God is. When we pray, we need to be very honest. And sometimes we're not. Sometimes we go before God and act as if, oh, yeah, God, look at me. Look at how great I am. Like the the Pharisee versus the tax collector in the, the parable that Jesus tells. And I always try to be as real as I can be with Jesus. So I went to him in prayer after that event, knowing there would be more events just like that. And I just told Jesus everything I was feeling that day, you know, being with this woman, the way that she was dressed and and the fact that I want to have an ongoing relationship with this person and with this organization. And just, that was just a big, that was an issue for me. That was a problem. And, uh, anyway, I spent some time in prayer and I just told the Lord exactly how I felt about this person and what was going on and the struggle that I was having temptation and otherwise, and I, once in a while, I hear the Lord speak to me in prayer. You know, it's not like the way I'm talking to you right now. But once in a while, when we spend time in adoration, we do, you know, hear his voice a little here and there. And he says to me, this woman you speak of, she doesn't have a brother. And I want you to be her brother. And it was just like this wave of grace came over me. And it wasn't even a long period of time. I just, I spent a little time in prayer. I told the Lord how I was feeling. And... Those feelings that I had had, the temptation, the struggle that I was having, it went away and it has stayed away. It has not come back. I went to numerous more meetings with this organization. I got together with this woman and her family, etc. And it's just amazing to me how sometimes the Lord puts people in our lives where he gives us feelings of brotherhood and sisterhood for this other, you know, other people. 
And it's because the Lord has a plan in that. The Lord's doing something there. And so he's now put me in a situation where, yeah, I do see this person from time to time. I get involved in this organization from time to time. And I have like a love in my heart for this person that's completely pure that I realize is a grace from God, feeling like a big brother to a little sister. And the temptations are gone, you know, regardless of how she looks, what she's wearing, whatever the temptations go away. And that's a gift from the Lord. This is what with, uh, Pope John Paul's theology, of the body and Christopher West and the theology of the body Institute that I'm a student of. I mean, this is the kind of thing we talk about all the time. The Lord wants to take us to a better place when it comes to these things. When we pray, the Lord does not lead us to a place of repression. He leads us to a place of deeper love a bigger picture. And it all is wrapped up in our identity as his sons and his daughters. Is it true the Lord might call us to a romantic love, a sexual attraction? Yeah, if that's your calling, if and if that's the person you're called to have that with, sure. I knew that that was not going to be the case with me and this other person, but what did the Lord do? He gave me something greater than perhaps what the devil was, you know, uh, trying to trying to maneuver there trying to, to you know tempt us to whatever you might say the lord gives us bigger and better things the lord get, brings us to better places and he places true love in our hearts um you know according to his plan according to his desire i go back to what i was saying the other day about pope john paul's sermons on the song of songs and that quote my sister my bride everyone has to be our brother and our sister first regardless of what the ultimate calling might be But, you know, this is the Lord. He's calling us to recognize this is a son. This is a daughter. When Jesus goes to heal that person, he's seeing her as a daughter. And it's a twofold love that he has for this woman in this gospel. Well, no, was it a woman in the gospel reading? Regardless of, I mean, he's Jesus went around curing. Let's see. There was a man. Okay, in this reading, it was a man. How could I forget that so soon? But there are many readings about women being cured. But what does Jesus see? Sons and daughters. When it comes to a woman, you know, he's seeing her as a daughter, first of all, because she's God's daughter and Jesus is God. But secondly, as man, you know, Jesus comes to father us and he comes to give us a greater love. Why were there all these prostitutes following Jesus? Because God was transforming that love. God transformed it into something better. God didn't say to his son, Jesus, okay, that's a beautiful woman. So you just have to stay away from her. No, Jesus in his weakness as man, because he took on our humanity, the father is constantly working through him, sending the spirit to work through him, transforming his heart, not from sin, but just to a greater, you know, Jesus has to grow as man. So there's a constant growth of maturity, a growth of love, a growth in his mission, And yeah, so Jesus is seeing all these women as daughter and yet not running the other way, but loving them tenderly, giving and so much grace is at work here. And that's good because that's why Jesus came to give us that grace. So why do these former prostitutes follow Jesus and end up basically living like nuns? Because their hearts are now full because they've realized their true dignity, their true calling to be daughter of God Almighty. Today we celebrate St. Martin de Pures, and the same concept here is at work in his life. He ministered to slaves. 
he ministered to people brought over from other countries to the new land and in horrible conditions, with horrible poverty, with horrible sickness, with hunger, etc. And he ministered to these people and he didn't see skin color. He didn't see, uh, you know, this one's different or that one's like this. No, what he saw was this is God's son. This is God's daughter. And when you read his life story, there are beautiful stories contained in there, just like you see in the life of Mother Teresa or St. Francis, where there's this reaching out to these people and loving them and realizing they have a claim on the life of heaven, on the sonship, the daughterhood of almighty God. And therefore I must treat them with the greatest respect. And his heart was more and more filled up because God put him in this position and the love just grew and grew and grew. And he was transformed more and more in this inner life. And once again, it goes back to the point that it's not about his hard work, although the man worked very hard, but it wasn't about him working. It was about God giving him these opportunities and then filling him with the grace. And he just grew more and more, more and more as a man, but more and more deeply in love with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit through it all. Of course, in all this, in this concept of sonship and daughterhood, um, there is Our Lady, you know, and allowing ourselves, Jesus said, behold your mother, allowing her more and more to become our mother, to dote on us, to, to take care of us, to be affectionate with us, you know, in that intercessory way, of course, to, uh, to just be our mother, you know, to take care of our every need and just completely trustingly trust in her, bring everything to her. And, you know, we need to pray for this grace that we realize our own sonship, our own daughterhood more and more and more talking about modesty and chastity and all that. You won't want any of that stuff, the sins that go with that when you realize your true dignity and who you are and the great price at which you were bought, you were purchased for almighty God. So let us today ask for the grace to grow in this uh, sonship, daughterhood, and to see others in that as well, to fulfill God's plan of building us up into his family, the people of God. Have a great day. God bless you.